0: is
1: bordering on a a drinking game for our listeners (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: there you go hello everyone welcome we are Irenecast, a group of folks leaning into our progressive christian imagination this is rajiv
1: i'm jeff
2: i'm bonnie
0: and i'm casey
1: on the first and third
0: tuesday of every month
2: we provoke conversation for shifting perspectives.
0: On theology and culture. This week, we're talking about hope. And our segment is a brand new one. Invented by <laughs> yours truly. Called <laughs> Buddy Bingo. More on that after. A so teaser, in, I like it. Nice. The, <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the, the concept of hope is just a really big one and my first question for us and try to keep this as concrete as possible give yourselves a chance to stay in in the concrete realms before we move into the outer spacey realms but how do you define hope
1: mine is probably I mean our last conversation was on faith and I know that faith and hope for a lot of people are very related, but my hope for me is like that the best definition I can come up with is that it is a projection of the future that is calculated by life
0: experience and worldview. Nice. Super concrete. <laughs> Maybe a little <laughs> too much. It, no, but yeah. no, it, it's helpful though. Yeah. It, it's, it's helpful to have that.
2: I like the idea of a projection into the future of the future. But I think hope is so present moment and it's like moment to moment, it has to be renewed. Hope feels less durable than faith and love and some of the other things that we, you know, this faith language that we use. So I would say it's an idea that things are going to be okay. It's an idea that things are going to be okay that has to be regenerated moment by moment. If I was trying to be concrete, it would be that's as concrete as I could go.
0: Thanks. All right, Casey.
2: That sounded good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, it's a projection that, that we hold on to moment by moment. I love that moment by moment piece. And it's also way less... Faith and love are so much easier to talk about. Hope is harder, I think.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree with that too, Bonnie. Like, I think that when I when I say that the the projection and the future is calculated on life experience, I think it's a an honest reflection of our past and present as part of what informs how we we look into that. So, I think it's it's an ever changing thing.
2: And there's something cumulative about it, but but also. Yeah, it feels like a bubble. It's like so amazing when it it's there, but it bursts. It can burst and has to. You got to do it. You have to do it again.
1: Right. And I think a lot of times, like our last conversation on faith, I think a lot of people like would conflict, like would say that the opposite of faith is fear. And you know, we were seeing that stupid slogan all over the place right now. Right. But I would say that fear is the opposite of hope. Is that it's it's a it's taking that projection and those things that we're using to. To, to manifest that projection and determining what the future is going to look like. And, it, you know, it's really, it comes down to good or bad. Is it going to be, I have hope if it's good and I am fearful if it's not.
2: Mm-hmm. I like that. I like fear being kind of the opposite of hope. That makes a lot of sense to me. And both, both of those things, fear and hope have, have a very temporary, you know, like if, if fear becomes something that is just like, deep in your bones then that's that's going to be a really hard way to live you know but fear can be regenerated moment by moment so can hope
3: and which one do you choose? Exactly. I mean, you were talking about uh, life experiences and stuff, Jeff. And I think that for some people, that projection of hope is something that they have yet to experience. And it lives outside of them. You know, I think of young people who live in closets, right? Queer kids who who do not know what, what lives on the other side of their hope. It's almost like faith in this thing of like, I just trust that someday this will be better. And so there's a lot of hope there. I hope that I can survive blah 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 this moment <laughs> basically so it is even i think beyond your own experience and the promise or the trust of something for a future that you have yet to see
1: right and i think that promise being yeah. communicated from someone also highlights that that's right that tension between hope and fear because a lot of people will use fear as a way to control under the guise of hope that's right because they're yes. so easily related and conflated with one another
3: That's a really good point. You know, like, I think that isn't that what the prophets were doing, right? Like, well, some were evoking fear, but a lot of them were trying to instill hope uh, for a a future that had yet to be seen. Mm -hmm. You know,
0: something I wonder about hope is there's a couple of dynamics, maybe. One that seems very common is that hope is a vehicle that gets us to something. It's sort of like a wish list. We have a hope list. Or is hope in and of itself the thing? It is its own objective. I think the latter. I think hope is its own objective.
1: Because then, like, if we're talking about hope, like Bonnie brought up, being like the shifting thing related to our experience, it's kind of a place that we sit in until experiences and the world around us shifts. And then we try to find the next hope, the next kind of, of thing. So I think, I think hope is probably an end, in of itself.
2: Yeah, I, I think, I think so too. And I think that hope is that one of the gifts of the spiritual life, those who may be engaged in spiritual practices like meditation or prayer, or, you know, make a regular habit of something like yoga, whatever it is, something that feels like you are it's part of your evolutionary process around spirituality. I think that one of the gifts of that practice is hope. It sometimes it shows up in unexpected ways and you're like, "Wow, you know, even though there's a lot of darkness around me, I'm experiencing hope. How did that happen? Where did that come from?" I would say it's probably directly connected to to the spiritual life and spiritual practices, because maybe the other side of that would would be fear, like Jeff was talking about. Disengaging, for me anyway, disengaging from some of that spiritual practices or from my spirituality, I can devolve into fear in like one second. So, yeah, and that's that regeneration. That's why we do this over and over and over and over again is because it rises. Hope rises over and over and over again. It doesn't it's not a steady presence with us.
0: Right. I mean, there there was a period of time where Jesse Jackson was doing a lot of public speaking in and around D.C. when I lived there and would go, you know, I, would, I was at these events and he often was like the final speaker. And he's a great public speaker. And his end phrase, even though you knew it was coming every time, was keep hope alive, keep hope alive, keep hope alive. And it's like you knew it was coming. And you still like needed it every single time with with the construct of hope. Like how how have you managed to reconstitute it into its place in your life today? Today, I struggle desperately to manifest it every
1: single day yeah
2: yeah Yeah. i hear that
1: before you know i think it was for well for a long time it was just connected to heaven better future it was always it was almost Mm -hmm. always connected to how my view of the afterlife evolved you know the progression for me being When I die, I go to heaven. I accepted Jesus. I have hope for that day. I have hope for that day. And then as I kind of went down the rabbit hole of different theologies and stuff, then it evolved to, oh, I see, there's a link between what that future is and what is now. And we can create links and kind of create pockets of heaven now leading up to something. And I think that's probably where I ended up resting in terms of the overall worldview. But just today, hope for like people being decent and <laughs> hope for like that we're headed towards something better. It's, it's a struggle. It's but kind of back to that. It feels like the same thing we were talking about in our last conversation, that, that wrestling, that there's this real struggle to keep hope alive, so to
3: speak. I, I feel like um, that idea of keeping hope alive is found in gratitude for me. And this sense of like, when I feel so hopeless, I try to reach for the things that might remind me of why there's a reason to still have it. It also then feels like a responsibility to pass that on. Like if I have lost all, all hope and humanity, then maybe I can be someone who brings a little bit of decency back to that, right? Back to humanity. And in buying the person behind me is Starbucks or whatever, maybe it might instill in them just a little more hope. And so for me, it's it's rooted in this place of like gratitude. If I am feeling like the world is dark and, there, and it is hopeless, then maybe I can just be a flicker of hope. And maybe that might inspire a little hope in somebody else. And together we might keep the, the fire alive. Yeah, I, I resist handing hope
0: a to do list, and just like we were talking about i I'm with you, in that hope in and of itself is the thing, and you know work to carry hope with me and i'm I'm feeling you Jeff on the it's hard um and Bonnie, actually, you offered something this was years ago, you probably won't even remember it, but it stuck with me, and you said rather than like connecting hope to some of these things, use the language of I wonder. Like, I wonder what it will be like if, and then there's that thing that you're maybe wishing for would happen. But using that wonderment language also allows, like, I wonder what life will be like if that thing doesn't materialize. And it it offers a framework to, to consider. And, and hope gets to be part of all of it. You know, hope doesn't get displaced because an objective isn't met.
2: Mm-hmm. There's different degrees of hope. I would say that some of that hope that was connected to the afterlife for me. Um, and Jeff, I'm so glad you brought that into the conversation because that is, that's, that's where the hope lies. You know, for all, the, for many of these communities, Christian communities, you're supposed to be able to put up with whatever happens in this life because there's this hope that feels like such a disingenuous hope. You know, like even when I was there listening to it, it it felt like that. It felt like the people who were trying to sell it also believed that it was a disingenuous hope. Now I think, you know, finding hope in those moments of uncertainty, which is every single moment, in those moments of um like pain and suffering, um, that's a much more authentic hope. And it, it's much harder, like it's much harder to, as Jeff was saying, manifest. And I think of, you know, one of my heroes, Mr. Rogers, and, you know, the story that <laughs> circulates often about him and his the story he tells of his mother, where when these bad things happen in the world, look for those who are helpers, look for the helpers. What you were saying too, Casey, where, you know, what flicker of hope can I offer that might inspire other hope? That's what hope, that's how hope works for me. It's like a little flicker that the more people participate in that little flicker with their own little flickers, then the flame of hope actually gets united. It's never a singular thing, it's always, always a communal thing. When it's really hard, What I try to remember is probably, I lean more into my faith, which is that at the core of it all is goodness and love. When we feel hopeless or a lack of hope, it's because for some reason we can't see that. If we can see that, if we can find that, then even in the midst of all of this difficulty, I can figure out some sort of way to hope again for the moment, just for the moment. I don't know if that made any sense.
3: Harvey Milk, one of his most famous quotes is, you got to give them hope. And that came after he had decided to run for office and he's getting all this public national attention. And he gets this phone call from some kid in like some terrible state just saying something like, you know, like I was going to kill myself. But seeing you and seeing your movement, it gives me hope. And Harvey Milk says something like, This is bigger than me. And if I can stay in this and I can continue to be brave and true, then maybe this might ignite hope in somebody else.
1: Just listening to the three of you talk right now, like, you know, we talk about hope being kind of the end itself. And, you know, so then what is the vehicle and just hearing Casey, you say gratitude. And then Rajiv mentioning something that Bonnie said about wonder, like, that's a, that's a pretty awesome tag team, gratitude and wonder. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just for sure, those being yeah. vehicles to get to a place of, of hope, even if it's just like a little hope, like not big hope, not like <laughs> the world's going to be OK, but like, <laughs> hey, today's going to be OK. <laughs> right, and, right. And finding those moments of gratitude and wonder and how how nice it is to sit in either or both of those things.
2: Both well, neither of those require certainty. Right. And that's really helpful. Yeah. In fact, yeah. wonder, as soon as you have certainty, you sort of lose something in wonder.
3: Yeah. This is why we love you, Bonnie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, no, this is a collective effort here.
3: <laughs> and I think that that's where our hopelessness really stems from is that we want concrete things. We don't want to live into the mystery, especially as, uh, you know, first world people like who have all these great privileges where we don't wait for anything and we suffer for nothing. We struggle with living into mystery because we don't want to be we don't want to live into uncertainty. And I think that uh, allowing for there to be some gratitude in our wondering and um, and even if it isn't okay, like Rajiv was saying, even if it ends up, even if the outcome is not what you would hope, is there still something that you can find gratitude for? Is the invitation for for living really? I mean, that uh, I I read the book um, oh, what is it? The Something joy by the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Anyway,
1: we'll figure it out. We'll yeah. put it in the show notes. Yeah,
3: and he. And he he was saying that, you know, um, one of the things that he likes to do with people is like legit mess with them. Like, well, on purpose, when they are in meetings and stuff, make something happen that disrupts the, the situation to create some sort of small chaos nothing super dramatic but like he'll tip a he'll accidentally kind of bump something where water spills on the floor because he wants to see how people will respond in those moments what is your true nature when something goes off the charts and the dalai lama basically is saying like um if you can get yourself to a place of gratitude even when the water f- is tipped if you can get to a place of laughing and not and not this sort of uptight place this stressed place then maybe you found you found you know a way forward in your living and and i think about that all the time because i am someone when the water gets tipped i'm freaking out you know even like last sunday you know all of our all of our tech stuff never i feel like you know, this is where my grandma's evangelicalism still exists. You know, like the devil is in the, the <laughs> computer or whatever. Like, why? Why yeah. every Sunday does our technology have to behave this way? Mm. And the last few Sundays, I found myself getting worked up or, you know, like this anxious presence, which then leaks into, mm-hmm. into everyone around me. Yep. And so this, this week, I just, start, I just started laughing. And I went to the mic and said, everything here is only a suggestion. And it shifts everything, right? If we can move to that place of wonder and gratitude um, and not hold on to things so tightly, things change. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. in I, one of the classes I took in seminary was on dying, death, and grief. And the professor, he he would talk about hope as an integral element in the whole process. And would say, you know, well, so long as there is breath, there is hope. And one of the students was like, "Hope in what?" He's like, "There is hope. The hope can be a myriad of things, but it, the the outcomes aren't the point." And and then they were like, "Well, what about when breath ends?" You know, we, you know, we're all wrestling with this information. And he's like, "He a very eastern was his response." He's like. One breath ending doesn't mean breath ends. You know, things continue to breathe. And even if humans cease to exist, the plants and the animals breathe. And there is hope.
3: I worked for an organization uh, when I was in college with men dying of AIDS. So basically every every Saturday, I'd be hungover as hell, driving someplace in uh, the Seattle area, mostly helping men get groceries or just sitting with them and listening to their stories or watching Judge Judy or whatever. And the guy that I spent the most time with, his name was Wayne. And Wayne had a really rough life. Gay, obviously, but didn't identify that way. He contracted AIDS in a hospital, right? Which was most likely not true. Couldn't get himself to to tell Hmm. the truth of his story. He was angry often. So I would show up hungover, and I'd bring his menthols. I always had to bring the menthols. And we would go get him ice cream. This man who was dying of AIDS, who was diabetic. But I was like, you know what? If you want ice cream, honey, you have all the ice cream you want. <laughs> and we're driving, we're walking through the frozen food section one, one Saturday morning, and he turns around and he says, why was I handed these cards? Mm. And in this moment, like I'm like 20 years old. I have a headache. It's early. Y'all know how I am in the mornings, anyways. And I said, You know, Wayne, I can't answer that question, but I can be grateful for this moment. And it was enough for him in that moment to Mm. say, I'm glad that you exist now. Like, I don't know what your past has been, but in this moment, I can be grateful that we have met and that we can be walking down the frozen food section getting your strawberry ice cream. Right. And that was enough. Mm -hmm. And I think that like going back to what we're saying about like when it feels like, what is the point when we can just reach for some strawberry ice cream and say, this can be enough for this moment. Mm -hmm. I'm, I am thankful and hope for more moments where I can enjoy this strawberry ice cream or whatever. It doesn't solve all the world's problems, but in this moment, if you can just hope for the next, it might be enough.
2: Yeah, I like that. I keep wondering, you know, like how this relates to to Christianity and faith. And I like the idea of breath, you know, this idea that hope is connected to life. Where there's life, there's hope. Where there is life, there's breath. If we're so deeply connected to that breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, or the breath of life, the story of of God breathing the breath of life into creation in so doing perhaps also breathing hope into creation.
1: That that was a big shift for me, like reshifting my quote, biblical understanding of life or theological understanding of life, you know, cause it was always eternal life. Like we talked about in the beginning, like it was always eternal life. So it was like, the life now, and then living forever in the afterlife. So it was just this like strict binary of are you breathing here, or are you living? You're going to be living there, and once for me, I shifted that perspective. So now when I hear the term life, you know, think of breath and all that kind of stuff. But it's this holistic past present quality of life, right? Like when we have the the uh, abortion debate. You know, are you pro life. Your pro breathing child is different from like life, like thriving economically, spiritually in 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 a way with mental health and I th- or mental health. And I think that when we talk about hope and where there's life there's hope. I think where there's an, a life more abundantly, right? Like we use that word a lot. And, and what that means, it doesn't mean like you just have God and now you're okay. Because I think that that uses this beautiful thing of like going from moment to moment, sitting in this, this spiritually divine mystery of God, and it weaponizes it to follow these rules, be in this context, do what we say. And that's the only way you can maintain or hold on. To this hope as opposed to like experiencing life and how things that seem small or inconsequential and, and I think any and this is, I'm just gonna say it any spiritual leader that uses the physical life of well it doesn't matter on this plane or you're gonna do it whatever that is is full yet because you're 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 not regarding the reality of what life really is. It is physical, it is spiritual, it's all of these things. And it has to do with economics. It has to do with providing people a a way to live. So I think when we, if we want to foster hope, then our political ideologies, informed by our faith ideologies, all have to be there in wanting and desiring to create a space of an abundant life for everyone. And that includes all the little things that we take for granted, like you know being able to, Enjoy some ice cream in, in the midst of whatever, everything else seems like, you know, and when, even when we talk about like this, this attack of, of the poor, a lot of times in our, in our culture, and I'm going off on a tangent, but it's our show. So whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, one of the first things is, well, they are, they have food stamps, but they have an iPhone. Like, like they're not allowed to right. enjoy a simple part of what like makes life and connects us all just because of their economic status. Like how there's this, these moments need to inform how we shape the greater reality around us. And, you know, talking about a progressive Christian faith and what that looks like is I think we need to have a more nuanced and expansive view of when we talk about life and then its relation to relationship to hope and then creating more space yeah. for wonder and gratitude.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, listeners have heard me talk about process theology before and Alfred North Whitehead, he has this concept of, like god is all of creation and then some and in the and then some the transcendent aspects there are these things called eternal objects which would be like beauty and love and you know humans and all creation can bring those things into existence in our world but i don't know if hope is one of those things because i think i think hope Is necessary where life is. If there were if there was no life in in the way that we understand life, then would hope even be necessary? You know, I think beauty and love and peace and those things, joy, they may exist in some transcendent level. But I don't know if hope does. Like
0: hope hope is elemental.
2: Hope is elemental to life. Like, that is something that has been so wrongly presented in a lot of Christianity, because hope is connected to something beyond life, which makes no sense right. whatsoever. And I think that's exactly what you're trying to—not trying to say, what you said beautifully, Jeff, is that it, it's about—the the hope leads us and guides us to this abundant life, you know, because hope informs us, it teaches us, like, what's, what could be possible. And we need that teaching, and we need that motivation and that energy of that hope brings us to get us all to this abundant life here, now, in this moment. Like, anybody who, who connects hope to something beyond this life, which is what you just said, it's not hope. That's just, what is that? That's some kind of, like, snake charming thing or something. It's yeah. It's,
0: I I remember um, this it still in the the more conservative world tying into this, and we we probably should do a, a whole episode on the afterlife because we're we're kind of moving into that realm a little bit, which would be a great episode. But um, and this ties to what you were saying, Jeff. And this is in a conservative construct. He said, "If you believe in ever eternal life." Know this that eternal life actually begins today. what you do now matters like so in his in his theological construct, he was able to connect the you don't get to separate the now from the then now is the then it is if you do actually believe life is eternal or there's an opportunity for eternal life, you start living that life now. And I was like, hmm, makes a lot of sense.
3: yeah, and then it causes you to do something. You, uh, going back to what you were saying, Bonnie, what is it then? It is an opiate. If we can drug everyone with hope that you right. know that their oppression now is is fine because someday you won't have that experience. So go ahead and you know let slavery happen. Let uh, your abusive husband beat you because someday he won't, and someday these things won't happen. It's a tool to keep people oppressed and in the dark then you are left with this hope that maybe someday it might be better and i think the invitation with the hope that we're talking about says you can live this now and if the hope that you that that you want to bring into the world does not yet exist that is a part of your faith and then it requires all of us to bring forth this this new way of being in the world like what is the point of of hoping for uh, an eternity of something you've never tasted
1: Yes. I don't think you can have hope without first experiencing what you're hoping for. Sure. And which throws the afterlife completely out the window, even if it's just a taste, even because then it can stay vague. It can stay like it's going to be good. You're just attached to like this generalized you know, view of something good or better. And those terms do not define anything. And how can you have hope if there's not something like defined that you're hoping for? I think hope has to have shape. It has to have it has to have legs. It has to have something that's connected to here and now.
3: Isn't that why they why they had Sabbath, right? Was to mm-hmm. remind them that mm-hmm. they were free people. Yeah. That they were that that's they right. were they were wholly other. Sure. You had to live under occupation six days out of the week. But there is a day where you are not you are not being treated as your property or that you are something else other than what you actually were meant to be, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's the, the, like we need these moments to remind us, um, we need Sabbath to remind us mm-hmm. of our hope. Yeah. Whatever, Absolutely. however that shape takes. Yep.
2: I was just gonna add to, the, to what we've already said that, you know, in Romans, Paul talks a lot about the God of hope, the God of hope. And particularly, you know, in talking about how the message, well, through Jesus, the message in, in many ways, the message of the tradition of Judaism, which is has Sabbath built into it and and that God's desire for the restoration of the world, you know, that message. Needs to expand beyond just the the people that were holding it. It needed to go out into the whole world, and that's what the early Christians were all about: this enterprise of going out into the world with this particular message. When he speaks to that, he always he seems to make references to this God of hope. Um, it's a very earthly energy, hope. And yet, God, it's its maybe where we actually find our partnership with God as humans in this very tangible way, where hope is, is where humanity and spirit and God unite. Where fear is, it's where humanity and like evil forces perhaps unite, like if we're going to keep it really simple and use some of this language. And that just makes sense to me. I don't know. how it hits other people.
1: Well, I think that the, the, you know, when we look at the Hebrew scriptures, it's always very like earthy because there's no like sense of, of afterlife. And I think, you know, later when we conflated the afterlife with the day of the Lord and the year of Jubilee and and mixed all that up. We lost, I think, that, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the few times where a strict, like, binary definition, like, in the Hebrew scriptures, like, hope, it was either hope or fear. It was, like, hope in God and what God is going to provide and that day. And there's always concrete examples of it, the Sabbath, the year of Jubilee. Like, here's physically what it's going to look like instead of this vague, like, Streets of gold, (laughs) you know. You're going to be in a mansion, and I remember even thinking back then, like, I don't want to sit in a worship service like 24 seven for (laughs) eternity. That sounds so boring, (laughs) and then getting chastised for that kind of belief. And I was like, because there was no, there's no concrete thing. And then you know that that shift in in early Christianity to like, no, like just this experience now, and how how there's so much of it that a lot of us we'll never fully understand at least experientially because we we're not living under that same kind of oppression that was pretty consistent throughout the 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 cultures in which the scriptures were were written you know and how people of privilege are are missing a lot of that and how you know the only way you can even just kind of understand that is to to hear the hope of others in circumstances that are, that are far beyond ourselves. And I think that, I think that that's true. Like it's, it's really based in earth and we can develop that and learn to have gratitude and wonder by like, and as much as we can hearing and experiencing other people's lives and experience, just that, that relational aspect that we talked about when we talked about faith is, is also present in, in hope as well.
3: I have a small rant about this because I I'm I'm just having sort of like an epiphany around what you're saying, you know. I mean, that's we've gotten to this place of talking about year of jubilee and sabbath and stuff to remind us of the importance of hope. And, you know, this idea of like hearing this message of, you know, and when we get to heaven, there's, you know, God has a big house, you know, many rooms and all this shit. And I'm thinking about, like, why why this tradition was formed in the first place. And by this tradition, I mean the Jewish tradition that then seeps into Christianity and then is, again, used to occupy others. But prior to that, this idea of needing something now in the wake of occupation, in the wake of oppression, and what makes Christianity so difficult now is the people who are who are longing for an eternity and who are you know peddling this as the most important thing are the same people that I'm wondering if uh, the the idea of God having a house with many rooms how satisfied they would be in that house if they've already built their own kingdom here if God did have a house i imagine it wouldn't look like the house that you're living in in rockland california or hollywood and certainly the people that you that you have keep company with uh would not be the people in that house and so Again, I'm just reminded of like these, the, this language we use and the people who are peddling this stuff are the very people who would be very dissatisfied with the very thing that they are talking about because they have already established their kingdom on earth. They don't need a kingdom into the future. And yet they promise those who, who actually do need transformation now, who are looking for a, a hope, a future and a hope, as Jeremiah would tell us, they need it now.
2: Well, mm-hmm. oh, God does have a house. It's it's this planet, and we all share it, and we live in it together. And yeah, those those people who keep trying to tell sell this real estate this <laughs> in, in the sky or whatever, it makes it it makes absolutely no sense. It's a it's a distractor from the oppression.
3: Karl Marx, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly right. When you were talking about the opiate, that, that yeah. immediately came to mind. Yeah, that's. That's what Karl Marx was talking about, uh, that religion, which he probably means this like hope that's for sale, um, is a complete distractor from the oppression that's going on right mm. around us all the time. And and I want to push back s- on something that you said a little bit, Jeff, because I think that those of us who identify as privileged, we don't realize that when when we, you know, there's there's a huge loss that comes along with privilege in a way that keeps us disconnected from from understanding things that other folks understand like if you go to communities where they're identifying with the the characters in the bible the stories in the bible you know like Jesus is real to them because there's an alliance between Jesus and the community in a way that Jesus gets me, Jesus understands my plight for example and maybe those of us who are privileged feel like you know that that we're outside of that somehow that we're outside of that uh, that capacity to identify and we get we lose touch with the ways in ourselves within ourselves that we are suffering like, we feel like it's not okay to acknowledge our own suffering because of these hierarchies of, I don't know, I'm, it, this is going to be a very stumbling way of saying something that I think is important to say, and it, I hope it comes out right, and if it doesn't, so be it, let's have a conversation about it. But privilege, even the language of privilege, is not really privilege. It's a lack. It, it is something missing. And it's it, what's missing is an aspect, a very important, fleshy, embodied part of our humanity. And it's something to mourn.
0: To try to give that, I, I'm with you, to offer an illustration, because we've been doing a lot of that, <laughs> these metaphors, over the last several episodes. So there's a movie called In Time. And it's a great movie, not a lot of people saw, but it's a fantastic movie. And essentially... What you accumulate is time. And so on your wrist, there's like a digital readout of how much time you left. Have you seen this movie? And so the wealthy people have like all this time. And you can share time with people. You know, you can put your forearms together and transfer time to other people. And the whole agenda of the privileged is to just not die because an accident can kill you. Barring that, you've got all this, you know, millions of minutes, billions of minutes to live. And the poor, you know, they work just so they can run and get their timestamp so they can live for another week for the next payday. And so, again, that privilege is just a cage. It's just this fancy cage where they're just trying not to die in time
2: it's really good i forgot about that movie yeah
0: except it's justin timberlake but Uh, other than that yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah, come on he's great on screen man (laughs) don't knock
1: jt i will free britney um (laughs) uh i i think that that's a valid pushback and i and i will you know admit that that most of the time when i'm talking about that it's coming from a place of desperately not trying to infantilize suffering that that was a real experience for me in evangelicalism is to try to, and then seeing it play out over the last, whatever, how many years being the victim and like we are the oppressed and, and, and adopting that. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, agree with what you're saying. I certainly feel like privilege is a loss because they're, you're missing something. You're missing something great kind of to, to rearticulate my statement would be to like that, uh, well, I mean, no, I, I think I think what I was trying to say is, is basically along the lines of what you're saying is that that when we're we are missing out on something. There's certain things that we're not putting ourselves in a place to understand because of that privilege and how we're choosing to acknowledge it or not acknowledge it. I don't know if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think too that you know what we're missing out on is the experience of vulnerability, and that you know that th- these so-called privileges help to protect us from certain kinds of vulnerabilities and and yet being vulnerable, at least in this faith tradition that we've inherited, it's the vulnerable that inherit the earth. So then how do how, you know, the whole thing is so jacked up for all of us. Like how do we find in ourselves our own vulnerable spots and bear them to the world? rather than living in that cage. Like, I can't can't think of a more caged human than Donald Trump, for example, by his own privilege and the privilege of his ancestors that he is carrying forward. He just, it makes me sad. And then on the other side, we have this rhetoric, like, people who are actually not victims saying they're victims. And so we have that to contend with. And so I completely honor and respect that that is a reality. And I sometimes I'm just like, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, do we ignore that? Do we speak to that? Do we... In some ways, it almost feels like, you know, a child having temper tantrum. You just sort of look the other way until they can calm down and move on. I don't know.
1: Well, until they get what they want. And that's the problem.
2: Well, they'll continue until they get what they want. Or... Or you just like hold space and not give a lot of attention to it until it's over.
0: Yeah, this this conversation has been rich. And <laughs> we, we've definitely opened others, you know, maybe a, an episode on privilege, the afterlife. It's a lot of stuff. But to, to, to try to, you know, not wrap up the conversation, but to conclude this time together. Here's my challenge. To as a as a closing thought, what's your hope bumper sticker? You can use really small type if you need to. But what's your hope? What's on your hope bumper sticker?
3: Um, keep hope alive.
0: (laughs) I think that's someone else. Uh, Yeah, I think think you need to put that in quotes or something. (laughs) It's a good good one. Absolutely.
1: Mine is just after this conversation and reflecting on that, you know how like you see the minivan that has the stick figures of all the family members yeah. and stuff like that. Mine is like on one end of the window is a little house that says hope. And then there's a car with all these the big bus with people in it. And then the bus on the side says uh, gratitude and wonder and mm. headed towards
0: the, yeah. the oh, little
3: home. Nice. I like that. Okay. That's very better. nice. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> mm. Oh, we should make that and put it on the uh, on the merch.
1: That'd be a good shirt. Mm-hmm.
2: It would be a good shirt, Jeff. I would <laughs> wear it. <laughs> <laughs> I think hope plus human equals life. Something like that.
0: Yeah, I think mine would just be hope is.
1: The cool. Equations. It gives me like flashbacks to that sticker of the he greater than oh, I God. kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I... Although it'd be a good parody of that. Maybe yeah. we can make a parody of that. That, like, <laughs> right.
0: And on that note, <laughs> let us know what you think. To add your voice to this particular conversation, comment on the show notes at slash 190. In the show notes, you'll find relevant links and a complete list of all the ways to add your voice to this conversation. And if you haven't already, please consider joining our email list. Joining our email list is the best way to keep updated on all things Arenicast, including our next intersections that will be taking place on Thursdays, February 3rd through March 10th, 7 p.m. Pacific time, 2022, in case you're listening to this episode. Sometime in 23 or beyond. You can find the link to subscribe in the show notes at arenacast.com/slash 190. And on the other side of the music, brand new segment: Buddy Bingo. So, Buddy Bingo is a game where each of us try to put together a word or a phrase on a bingo card for our respective buddies. We're going to take turns, go around the circle. Now, one of our challenges that I'm asking us to do is when you say the word for the buddy, say it like they would say it. So a little bit of uh, impersonation along with the game.
1: Okay. Okay. This reminds me of one of the cold opens to Brooklyn Nine-Nine where they do boil bingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what in my mind what
0: I'm yeah, thinking Yeah, totally. That's basically what this is. Basically what this is. All right, so we'll start with us taking turns to fill out the, Casey's Buddy Bingo card. The impression thing, though, I'm, I feel that that's that problematic for me. No, no mockery. <laughs> no mockeries. I mean... In good fun, okay. all in good all right. fun. All, right. all in good fun. So we're we're, do- we're doing. So Casey's we're going to start with Casey, with and so we're filling out Casey's bingo card, and Jeff will have you go first. Okay, uh, my first
1: one is Casey says, "Honey, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, honey." <laughs> <laughs>
2: so honey's on the bingo card. The honey's on, honey's the bingo on the bingo card. card. Okay. All right. Um, this is a direct um quote of Casey's. I think. You are called beloved. And I love hearing him say that. It always makes me feel so warm and just, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I see you say it to so many people and you mean it every single time.
0: Mm -hmm. So mine actually includes the word honey in one version, but there's multiple (laughs) iterations of this clergy drag, honey.
3: Yes, honey. Yes. (laughs) Clergy drag.
1: And for those of you listening, there was a little shake when Rajiv said that. <laughs> That's right. just, just the, everyone needs yeah, the yeah, visual the
2: whole of that impersonation, yeah,
0: because I'm, Casey embodies that. Yeah, that
3: was really sweet.
0: <laughs> All right, so now it's Jeff's turn. Jeff's bingo card turn. Bonnie, uh, Casey, you start, and we'll go. We'll go this
3: order. So, uh, <laughs> mine is, and we are Irenicast. Uh <laughs> Uh, because jeff i mean really you are the one who for sure yeah you embody all of this and we are grateful for you
2: it's a very generous we yeah yeah, that's
3: right mm-hmm.
0: so mine is one of those like you know those things where you see like a hidden graphic inside a logo for the first time you can never unsee it like the arrow and like the arrow and the, like FedEx, the, arrow and the fedex thing yeah, yeah. So I have a feeling this is going to be that for Jeff. Okay. And I'm going to try to say it the way he says it. Hundred percent.
3: Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's very true.
2: That is hundred right percent. <laughs> That's really good. I don't know if I could do an impersonation, but I've heard Jeff say this so many times. Sure, we can make that work. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I see yeah, totally. Jeff as like yeah.
2: the the possibility, like guru. Yes, mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. so grateful to be in relationship with you because of that.
0: I mean, the fact we're all here doing this.
2: Well, yeah, but I mean, is... what? Like, what could you propose to Jeff, and he would say, "I don't know." That's <laughs> uh, he would be like, "Hmm." Let me check into that. Like always,
0: right. posting the Ten Commandments <laughs> in the lobby might be where he. Well, draws I know,
2: the but line. I mean something interesting and we can good do a parody of that.
3: Though. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm talking about right. interesting, good yeah, things. Right, it's and the sentence would be:
3: We can make that That's that a work a hundred percent.
2: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
3: Nice.
1: This is bordering on a, a drinking game for our listeners.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. So now it's Bonnie's turn. I'll, I'll go first.
3: Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> you just hear that a lot. Yeah, yeah that would enough. be more of a personal. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, <laughs> inside <laughs> inside into the uh...
2: specifically directed. Uh... <laughs>
3: yeah, i have actually. I think I, I can close my eyes and even see the look that she gives you when she says that. <laughs> yeah.
0: What's your What's your bingo? Uh,
3: your mine is, uh, we are all in process. Hmm
2: true
1: I came up with two because I knew someone was going to say that one in fact when we had our conversation just now I almost said bingo (laughs) because I knew process theology was going to be in there but my other one is Bonnie talks about wine
2: yeah I do I do talk about wine see
3: and this is why we're best friends yeah yeah
2: yeah. That was
0: my backup for Casey. Actually, was wine. wine. Just wine. The yeah. word
2: wine. Maybe yeah. Casey, my bingo card could be like. That's right. While could we be drink one wine, bingo card. That's right. <laughs> Another
0: one was Palm Springs. I have a whole list.
1: <laughs> I had Palm Springs just <laughs>
0: in case too. <laughs> in case you're building your own bingo cards at home. So I guess it's my turn now. Yep, it is.
2: Oh yeah. And we'll Who so
3: do Casey. You wanna...
0: Casey, why don't you go first?
3: That's not pizza. That's an open sandwich. <laughs>
0: yes. An open face sandwich. Yeah. Thank you. I love it.
1: <laughs> At a protest, I didn't put anything like that on here. I have down Rajiv wears a provocative t shirt. Mm. It's like your brand. Like it's, yeah, it's true. true. Yeah. True. I know it's more visual and doesn't yeah. work in this, but for everyone listening, Rajiv, I mean, right now, <laughs> there he's wearing a, a t shirt that says, that uh descent got the descent. RBG necklace yeah. thing
0: on the t-shirt with descent. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Okay, mine, I'm going to try to do an impression. Not impressed. <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> you do. I say that all the time. Well, I like y- y- yeah. Did you know that?
0: Those words? Yeah. Now, now I'm going to it's like it's my own little FedEx arrow. <laughs> like,
2: huh. Like, I mean, more an attitude of that. you know. Yes, like that, you're very. Uh, yes. You're very. Um, yeah. I've
1: seen that face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like. yeah.
2: <laughs> it's more like a. a it's um, like a sound. But I've heard you say it. I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed.
0: Okay. And Gosh, it's okay. That, what a jerk.
2: No, it doesn't. I wouldn't say it's. I would. I would just say you're very discerning. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, right. I've heard it's the not, words too. Now
1: that now it, it yeah. is a FedEx thing, because now I'm thinking about it. just before we started recording, yeah. we talked about the midnight whatever. Oh, yeah. right. And you're like,
2: eh, no, no, yeah, I'm not yeah. impressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you heard it. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, totally. Okay, I'm going to pay attention to that now.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so the fact that we're all here, we must be very impressive. So you just, are. Yeah. You are yeah. all of you. Are. <laughs>
0: And Any other bonus bingos that people had on their list?
3: Jeff talking about technology and movies are the two that oh, I could yeah, think of, true. especially yep. movies. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. Left, Left Behind. Left Behind. Left behind. For yeah. Jeff, yeah. That yeah. finds its way in every, every so often. Yeah. Kurt Cameron does, and Left right? Behind. Yeah. yeah.
2: And your buddy, Kurt Cameron. Oh, my gosh. And Rajiv's um, comedian references. Yep. Yeah. Lots of those.
0: Yeah, for real.
2: Well, well and your laugh fun.
3: is uh, something, I mean, it just brings so Yeah, much I had
1: hearty gut laugh yep. on my list for Rajiv. Yeah.
3: Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm fighting it right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: Don't fight it. It's a safe so, space. So,
0: okay. <laughs> well, that will do it for us this week. A reminder, Intersections Thursdays, February 3 to March 10, 2022. You can sign up on the website, arenacast.com. Also, the book that Bonnie co-edited, Partnering with God, is out. It's on Amazon and other venues as well. If you enjoy Arenacast and would like to join the work we're doing, please consider donating to our PayPal link at arenacast.com slash PayPal. We're committed to keeping the show free for listeners, but there are costs involved and your financial support is necessary. That's arenacast.com slash PayPal. ArenaCast is a nonprofit organization, so your donations are tax deductible. You can also sh- support the show by just making sure you follow wherever you listen to podcasts. And if your platform allows it, leave a rating and or review. So for this week, this is Rajiv. I'm Jeff. I'm Bonnie. And this is Casey. Thanks for joining the conversation. <music>